It's time for episode 449 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, May the 4th, 2022. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where the fourth will be with you. Always. My name is Dan Morn, and I'm joined across the internet by my good friend, my pal, my dungeon buddy. It is Micah Sargent. How are you today, Micah? I'm doing well, Dan. I've got uh, R2, D2 on my left, C3PO on my right. I'm wearing a gigantic Jedi cloak and... Oh, goodness. That lightsaber just went through my studio display. Uh, I don't know what to shame, do. Shame. You'll have to call Apple Care. I don't, I don't think that's covered. <laughs> <laughs> lightsaber damage I don't think is covered. Well, we have two fantastic guests this week. To my left, it is a programmer, a tech writer, the co-host of the Accidental Tech Podcast, Reconcilable Differences, right here on Relay FM and Robot or Not over at The Incomparable. It's John Syracuse. Welcome back, John back have i been here before I mean, you have been here before once i i'm pretty sure pretty I'll, sure so if i understand this correctly we have four people on the show and we each get 30 minutes so it's two hours per episode right <laughs> i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> well that's like we're doing a twitch show or something um to my left is you know the voice you know the podcaster the developer and uh just the all-around very cool allison sheridan welcome back allison well, thank you very much. Very cool, Micah Sargent. I appreciate the welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's cool here today. Uh, all right, let me kick this off. I am as eagle-eared. Listeners may notice <laughs> I'm traveling, so I'm on a different setup than usual. And travel, what's that? Uh, my question for you is, what tech do you tend to travel with? Phone, tablet, laptop, e-reader, etc.? And what accessories do you find critical for your travel experience? John, let's start with you. Back in the day, I used to travel with a laptop, which sounds so archaic now, but in the, the age of the iPad and the phone, that's my setup. iPad plus phone, and I feel like that covers all my needs. And if there's something I can't do on an iPad or a phone, and there are many things, I don't want to do them when I'm traveling. <laughs> Very well put. Uh, I wish that I could say that that's exactly how I, I do things, but I tend to be, I get a lot of anxiety around travel. And so I am, uh, unfortunately an overpacker. And so I definitely bring my laptop with me. Uh, I tend to bring some sort of microphone setup because it's chances are I'll be doing some podcast while I'm, uh, supposed to be traveling. And I, uh, always have lots and lots of different charging cables more than I need and uh, charging banks of some sort. Uh, mostly that's because anytime I, if, if I'm traveling, it tends to be visiting someone, not so much just going to a hotel. Uh, and in that case, uh, I can't quite count on the folks on the other end of things having the necessary uh, cables and or adapters that I need to do the charging. So those have to come along with me. Allison, what about you? I bring all of it. I mean, if I'm going to a friend's house for dinner, I always bring my 12.9 inch iPad Pro, my 14 inch MacBook Pro and my phone. If it's a longer trip, then the Kindle gets to come along and a 15 inch Cocoa Power USB-C display. I, to me, being on vacation means I get to play with all my toys more. So I wouldn't want to leave any of them behind. Um, we have started carrying a spare laptop when we go to crazy places. Like when we went to Peru, we didn't bring our primary laptops. We brought our secondary laptop. So uh, 
uh, I bring all of it. And you asked about the most critical tech beyond that would be I've got an OmniCharge 100 watt USB-C 20,000 milliamp hour power bank. And the important thing is that 100 watts, I can use it to charge my laptop and I can use it as passer and use it as a hub. So that's with me all the time, too. Don't take it to the gym, but that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) That would be a little hefty for that. I really try to cut down on what I travel with. Like, so the phone always goes with me because my phone is my lifeline. Uh, If I'm traveling anywhere, like I generally bring an e-reader. These days it's the Kobo Libra um, because I'm usually reading something. And then my iPad tends to be like if if it's longer than like, uh, you know, an overnight trip or something, I tend to bring the iPad just because I want to watch something or I want a slightly larger screen. I tend not to bring my my laptop unless, as Micah said, I am traveling for a longer period of time and I know that there's something that I need to get done that, that the iPad can't do, as John pointed out. Like I, so I need to record a podcast. There's really no great way still to do that on the iPad, so the laptop has to come with me. Sometimes in the past, as I've been working on like a novel or something like that, I tend to bring the laptop. I had I brought my older iPad with the um, the smart keyboard cover because at some point, like I could write on that pretty comfortably. But I don't yet have a magic keyboard for my new iPad Pro, so that is not sufficient for writing anything on really. So my laptop had to come with me and I felt a little like I was like oh this seems like everything fits in my bag really nicely because it's all so much smaller than it used to be but it's still pretty heavy when you lift it so uh, I need to cut down even further I think but thank you all for your thoughts on that let's go to our second topic which comes from John okay my question is what is a thing that we do with computers today that will seem shockingly slow to us 30 years from now and an example from 30 years in the past is browsing the web we used to do that over dial-up with modems and we'd go to a web page and you'd watch the web page appear in front of you first the text would appear and then you'd watch an image appear a line at a time slowly and there weren't a lot of images let me tell you um, and so now if we look back in times like how did we ever browse the web like that if you were forced to go back 30 years and pull up web pages you'd be shocked that anyone tolerated this what is an example of something that's like that now that 30 years in the future, we're going to say, can you believe we put up with how slow that is? <laughs> so I can remember uh, playing Neopets uh, with a dial-up connection and you you feed your Neopet, you click the link and then it reloads slowly and the Neopets face changes to be happy because you fed it. Oh my goodness, it took so long. I think now for me, it would probably be uh, exporting a video that you have edited, edited because I will on occasion, I don't do it so much anymore, but that actually was part of what my job used to be was editing video and just going through that process, waiting for the video to get out. And then it would have to get checked by because I uh, as a journalist, uh, we would create these videos and then they would be checked before they got published online as these little news clips, essentially. And then if an error happened, then you had to re-edit it and wait for it to export again. And it just was so slow. It took so much time. And now things are a little bit faster if you edit on an iPad, for example. But it's still, you're still waiting. You're still seeing that uh, that bar just try to slowly fill as you just tap your hand like, come on, come on. Um, Allison, what about you? Well, I can't pick the transporter because we're not doing that yet with computers. But uh, how about installing Xcode? <laughs> I think that <laughs> I think that would be nice. And, and maybe in that whole genre of just doing updates in general, you know, even though a lot of it goes on in the background now, it seems that I still find myself just sitting there going, oh, I just I just want to do the thing. I don't want to sit here and wait for that to happen yet. And I, I know it's not really long. It's still, you know, it's still irritating. It would be fun if it was just done already. 
<laughs> Those are both pretty good. I was thinking uh, arguing about scheduling online time. Is that a thing that can get faster? I don't think technology can solve that problem. Oh, can we can find a date that works for everybody? Did, could that get faster? That'd be great. Um, I think I'm going to take a slightly orthogonal answer to this question. And for me, it's the... Um, what I'm hoping is kind of faster or at least more reliable is things like video chats. Like they're pretty good these days, but like you still end up with a lot of situations in which it's like everything skips or there's like little blurps or like people are kind of low quality images and stuff like that. And I feel like it's gotten a lot better, but it still feels like something that in 30 years from now, we're all going to be sitting around with like sort of high fidelity connections, hopefully that are just lag free. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a pipe dream. I don't know. The idea of latency bothers me more than the idea of like speed of doing things because it just seems like that's in a huge impediment right now to having these online conversations is like, Oh, sorry. Were you talking? Oh, no, hold on. Uh, sorry. And, you know, that that aspect of sort of speed is something that that comes to play for me a lot. John, what do you think? I think uh, the speed of light would like to have a word with you, Dan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I break all laws, including <laughs> physics, John. Uh, I like the optimism of the idea that video exporting in 30 years, we're just going to hit export. It's going to be like, boop, done. Uh, wow, that is, I'm not sure I can bring myself to believe that. My choice, though, <laughs> is... Uh, uh, backing up, like we're all supposed to be backing up our data, right? And now it is still today. It is still a process that is time consuming. Time machine runs, but it can, can run for a long time, right? Or if you're doing an online backup and it's not just bandwidth, even if you're backing up to a local time machine disk, a local SSD, even it can take a really long time. It's something we're all supposed to do, but our, it often seems to me that the main job that my computer is doing all day is is backing itself up. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at how much <laughs> CPU time and disk IO is spent on all tasks combined, even if you add in a few video exports, it's backing up. So I really hope 30 years from now, backing up is one of those things that we won't think about that will happen transparently in the background. We'll never give it a second thought and all of our devices will always be up to date and have good backups. Uh, amen to that is all I can say. <laughs> all right. That's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it is halftime here at Clockwise. And this week's episode is brought to you by Electric. Turning a small business into an empire takes work, and you have to keep your ear to the ground for things that will help you take things to the next level. But that can be hard when your uh, attention is pulled in different directions. That's the reality of being a boss. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses or setting up employee laptops and, of course, answering never-ending IT questions for your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. As somebody who is a owner of a small business that is basically just me, uh, I <laughs> really get frustrated when it comes time to deal with all the ancillary aspects of that, whether it's doing my books uh, or keeping track of expenses or just managing my time. Uh, and of course, that includes dealing with all my IT problems. So, you know, if there was somebody I could offshore all that to and they just hand me a laptop and it's all perfectly set up and I never have any problems, I have to troubleshoot my life would probably be a lot easier. Also possibly more boring for me personally because I'm a tech journalist, but also definitely easier. For Clockwise listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash clockwise. That's electric.ai slash clockwise. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. All right, halftime is over, and that of course means it is Micah's turn to regale us. 
Yes, let me tell you a tale about Twitter. Um, so Twitter is testing a new feature. You may have heard about it. It's called Close Friends. And basically, it lets you limit who can see a post you share. So I can uh, select a, a group, a circle, if you will, um, of, of friends that I want to say some silly thing about how uh dark chocolate is the best chocolate and I'll hear no other answers. And you post that to the main Twitter and you may hear a thousand different responses and maybe that's not what you want. You just want your close pals uh, to, to know about that and uh, give you grief for it. So my question for you is, firstly, would you use this feature? And secondly, do you think it will replace the Twitter alt account? And for folks who don't know what an alt account is, uh, that is an account that someone creates as an alternative to their main account where they can post things that they think aren't necessarily um, appropriate for their main account or are things that they don't feel like sharing on their main account. Uh, that can go all sorts of ways. I'll leave it up to your imagination. But uh, do you think that a close friends feature could replace the Twitter alt account? And would you use this close friends feature? Allison, we'll start with you. Well, I had to actually look up what an alt account was. I had never even heard of the phrase and the concept behind it. And I understand a lot of people use it if they uh, are getting harassed online for opinions. And so they want to separate that opinion account to something else. Um, so I haven't ever used that kind of a concept. And I'm, I'm just, I think of Twitter as a broadcast mechanism. I don't think of it as, you know, it's not as much feedback. Um, but then I started thinking, what if I lived in a world where, uh, I wasn't on Facebook, which I'm not. And, uh, but I didn't have the Slack account I have with my community. And I just, I just needed a group of people I wanted to talk to that I wanted to know who they were and sort of control that, that, that might make sense. Um, I don't think it's for me though, because like I said, I consider it more of a broadcast here. I'm entertaining you with these wonderful things that I'm splurting out onto, onto uh, Twitter. You will be entertained. No one will be seated. Um, I think so. Instagram has had a feature like this for a while, and I've definitely seen some people use it. I think that the, the issue for me comes to be more of one of like overhead. I find it runs into the same sort of problem that Twitter lists did, which is like the idea of Twitter lists is perfectly fine. But it starts to get unwieldy depending on how many people you follow, much less how many people follow you. So how do you do I really want to spend the time going through designating certain people as close friends and other people? Do I have to like worry about it? It's like sending, you know, <laughs> invitations out to an event. It's like, ah, well, I included this person. Do I have to then include this person or should I include <laughs> this person as well? So I, I feel like the idea of it being able to sort of say, I just want to share these posts with a specific group is sound. But the for me, just the cognitive overhead of having to think about it every time, like, is this a thing I want to share or is this a thing I only want to share with a small group of people is just a little bit too much. And like Allison says, I tend to view Twitter more as a thing where it's like I'm just posting stuff to put out there and I can ignore people if I want to or I can respond to people if I want to. And in the end, it becomes more about like I just choose not to share certain things on Twitter. There are other mechanisms for me to share things with close friends, whether it be, you know, texts via iMessage or Slack or something like that. So I, I tend to just use other mediums. and I see why Twitter is doing this, but I'm not sure it's going to catch on for me. John, what do you think? Look at Dan bragging about having more than one friend. Can't decide who to pick for his circle. Um, yeah, I, I also agree with Allison. I don't think Twitter is the right place for limited communications like this. Obviously, Twitter has DMs, but they're not end-to-end -end encrypted, and they're totally separate from regular Twitter anyway. 
uh, trying to send a tweet that only certain people will see just seems like it's fraught with peril to me. Like the alt account at least has security through obscurity, where maybe if someone doesn't know the name, they're not going to see it. But close friends, a feature like this just seems like an opportunity for sort of wrong window style misfires where you meant to send a tweet to a limited set of people, but you actually sent it to everyone. Uh, you know, my, my fatherly advice is don't tweet anything you don't want the whole world to see. <laughs> Amen to that. Um, I think so. It's weird because I have a, a lot of friends who do have Twitter alt accounts. And I have, you know, been invited to follow those accounts and do follow some of those accounts. And I was uh, feeling a little bit of the FOMO. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to create one of my own so that I can also be in on the whole alt thing. And turns out there's really nothing that I want to say in other places that I wouldn't just say on my main Twitter account. And I'm also, uh, there's no judgment against anyone who does choose to do this. That's totally up to you. Um, but I personally am not a person who wants to post risque photos of myself online. And that's also what Twitter alt accounts are uh, typically used for. So all of those things came together for me to not really ever use that feature. But there are some occasions where I want to... Um, share sort of personal uh, aspects of, of some of the dynamics that I, I might experience day to day that um, I'm not interested in having everyone know about uh, and where that Twitter circle feature would, I think, be a handy thing for me. So that is where I actually do think that the close friends feature, well, Twitter circle feature would be uh, of interest to me. But uh, ultimately, I think that just like the alt account that I have, I probably won't end up using it all that much. All right, let us move on to our final topic here from Allison. All right. Do you have now, or have you had in the past, a device that was quite old but functioning perfectly and you secretly wished it would finally die so you could replace it with something newer and cooler? Well, people who listen to the show regularly will know that uh, a few weeks ago we had a show in which we discussed my lack of a 4K TV uh, in which I was put on the spot for having only a pitiful 1080p HDTV in my living room. Uh, so now I, w I slightly wish I would die and avoid that embarrassment. But instead, <laughs> let's say I wish my TV would die so I can replace it with a nice, shiny new 4K HDR display. Uh, I think I got particular flack because I do have a PS5, which I'm playing on a 1080p TV. And I was told that's simply, <laughs> simply unacceptable. But it's working fine and i played a lot of money for it uh like eight years ago when i bought it so, so you don't you know, really wish it you don't really wish it do i know i mean it's fine it's fine guys i'm okay but uh, <laughs> i would like to escape the embarrassment that comes with that john what's broken that you want to die uh, i actually have the opposite one where i have a 1080p television as well uh, but i hope it doesn't break because if it breaks i will be forced to buy a new tv and they're all 4k and i'm not quite ready to buy a new tv but that's a whole separate issue the obvious answer for me uh something that i was kind of wished it would die every once in a while uh, i had that feeling sometimes about my 2008 mac pro which i used more mm. for more than a decade before replacing it with a 2019 mac pro and at various times during its life, I was like, people would ask me, well, but what if it broke? What would you buy now? And I realized if it broke, I would get a way better computer right? <laughs> and that would be nice. But no, I just held on to it. And the thing never broke. It worked great until the day it was replaced with this monster that's next to me today. For me, it would be my network attached storage because right now I have a um, I, I couldn't afford more than a WD my cloud when I first uh, decided to buy network attached storage. And now that I can, I'm waiting for the WD MyCloud to die so I can either go to 
uh, QNAP. I don't know if some people pronounce that QNAP, but I don't like that. Or a Synology. So um, basically, yeah, when that goes away, then I'll be able to upgrade to something much more open uh, for for playing around with. Well, that's funny that you should mention network attached storage because that's exactly where my example from yesterday came. We have a, uh, I have a Synology and then I back that up to a really old Drobo and uh, our uh, UPS had died. So my husband and I were replacing the batteries in it and we we plugged everything back in and, and, you know, we tested it first with a light, made sure it was working and everything. And we plugged everything back in and the Drobo didn't come back up. And instantly I was configuring a new Synology because <laughs> I would really <laughs> like to have two Synologies because one is not enough. And I had it all. I decided what I was going to get. I was going to reuse the drive. Boy, this was going to be really cool. And then we discovered that in our, all our jostling, uh, it has a, a power supply that's in the middle of the cable and it has it disconnected in the middle of the cable. And so <laughs> no, unfortunately, it's, you must live with it. <laughs> I know it's still it's still it's still working. I'm so sad. It was tragic. A tragic survival of a piece of technology. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that is four topics now. We've got just enough time for a bonus topic. But first, this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by New Relic. If you're a software engineer, you've been there. It's 9 p.m. You're finally unwinding from work. But then your phone buzzes with an alert. Something's broken and your mind's already racing at what could be wrong. Is it the back end or the front end? Do you have slow running queries? Now the whole team's scrambling from tool to tool, messaging person after person to find and fix the issue. That won't happen if you get New Relic. New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately so engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code so you know exactly why the problem happened and you can resolve it quickly. That's why the Dev and Ops teams at DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games, and more than 14,000 other companies use New Relic to debug and improve their software. Whether you run a cloud-native startup or a Fortune 500 company, it takes just five minutes to set up New Relic in your environment. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen. Get New Relic before it does, and you can get access to the whole New Relic platform and 100 gigabytes of data, free, forever, no credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash clockwise. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash clockwise. That URL one more time, newrelic.com slash clockwise. Our thanks to New Relic for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. Bonus topic time. It is, of course, Star Wars Day. Name your favorite Star Wars character. John, you only get to pick one. Go. Well, I'm going to be uh, unapologetically basic, I guess. Uh, I'm going to pick Luke Skywalker. I don't know if you heard of him. Um, he's a character who's always trying to do the right thing, but he doesn't always get it right. There's an entire movie of him trying and failing to do the right thing. And then his failures have consequences. I mean, he loses his whole hand for crying out loud. And in the end, he triumphs not by discovering his superpower in MCU fashion or by defeating his opponents in combat. No, he wins by refusing to fight and finally taking to heart all the things that he was taught in the previous movie where he screwed everything up. (laughs) Green is my favorite color and always has been. And that is only one of the reasons why Yoda is and always has been my favorite uh, Star Wars character. Uh, No matter his his younger form, his older form, uh, all forms in between. I've always just adored Yoda and wanted to grow up to be Yoda, frankly. Allison, (laughs) what about you? I'm actually going to go with Lando Calrissian, mostly mm. because I thought Billy D. Williams was really sexy. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to argue with that point. I, you know, right? I'm not sure I can push back on it's that. He's pretty. He's smooth. He's smooth. He's suave. Love it. Uh, I'm going to pick, of course, my favorite character, a character who has 
I guess lines of dialogue, but not really intelligent ones. It's Chewbacca because I would like to have a Wookiee buddy to hang out with and fly a spaceship around. That sounds amazing to me. I'd like to congratulate us all on not picking any prequel characters. Good job, everybody. We can, <laughs> Yay, we can all continue to live. <laughs> Hey, if you'd like to get ad-free episodes with an extra overtime topic every week, you can become a Clockwise member. Just go to relay.fm slash clockwise and you can sign up for just $5 a month or $50 a year and you'll help support our show. In this week's overtime topic, we are discussing health and fitness tracking. All right, and that is the end of the show. All that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week. John Syracuse, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me again. And Allison Podfeet Sheridan, thank you for joining us. Always a pleasure, gentlemen. And Micah will be back next week. But until then, we remind everybody listening out there, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. And may the fourth be with you. Hmm. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.